So glad to see you today, and Merry Christmas. We are so excited um, to have this house full as we celebrate Jesus, and so good to see so many of your faces. And uh, I hope you're excited. Any kids in here excited for Christmas? You, you ready for tomorrow? Yeah. So one of the things I always think about around the Christmas time is we have a lot to be ho- that we get hopeful for, don't we? And obviously it's Christmas, so a lot of people in here are probably hopeful for some presents or things like that, right, tomorrow or tonight or whatever your thing is, that, the way that you do that. Um, and so, there, but the, in life as people, we really do kind of live with a lot of hope for things. And that's not bad at all. In fact, Christmas is a beautiful time where we get to lovingly give and lovingly receive um, gifts from each other as a way of just showing love, of caring for each other, Right. Uh, but we go through lives, li- our lives as people hoping for a lot of things. So if you're like me, who is occasionally normal, then you, <laughs> then you might have gone through life a little bit like this, right? As you're growing up, you're kind of hoping for maybe friends, maybe those of you who have been in school or went to a new school this year or you know, even just kind of navigating the changes that go on in life and as a child, as an adolescent, is you're hoping to have friends, you're hoping for people that you can connect with, right, is a really big important deal. Maybe you're hoping for the opportunity to make whatever team, whatever hobby, whatever thing that you are a part of, right, or you love or you care about. And that's a big thing that we hope for, we we pray for, Um, Maybe, I don't know if anybody in this room has ever hoped for like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, um, something like that over time. We kind of hope for that, hope for a little connection there. And maybe you've hoped for that. Some of us in here maybe have hoped for that more times than some others in here, right? But we hope for a, that connection with someone else, that special connection, a girlfriend, boyfriend. We grow up, we maybe hope, hope for an opportunity to go to college or some kind of training and a career, a thing that we are interested in or want to do and opportunities there. And right, we hope for those kind of things. We eventually hope for jobs, right? And unfortunately, we have to hope for jobs often throughout our life, right? And we keep hoping that we'll have those opportunities that we desire, maybe somewhere in there as you are hoping for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you are hoping for a spouse, um, and maybe you're there or not quite there yet, right? But those are things as we go that we hope for. Some of us even end up at some point crazy enough that we start hoping for kids, right? No, I'm just playing. We, we love being a parent. Being a dad is actually one of the most amazing things. Uh, but we do. We have no idea what we're in for when we start hoping for that at the beginning, right? And then we look back and um, understand the value of all of that. But as people... We tend to live lives where we're always hoping for something that's not quite there, right? Not quite how we want. Maybe real specifically, even to those big things, is maybe we're just hoping for health or health of a loved one or healing of some kind, healing of, of ailments, of disease, of relationships, of whatever it is, right? I know when we come into Christmas, we come in looking pretty, we smile, we do all that stuff, and we're excited, but there's a whole lot of life going on too, right, as we walk through that parking lot. Um, And some people maybe would just hope for another moment or another chance, 
with that loved one who maybe isn't here today, right? And we hope for a lot of things. Um, at Christmas, obviously, we end up hoping for presents a lot, right? Um, I'll take you back in time to me as a ninth grader. Uh, I wasn't brave enough to show you a picture that today, but, you know, uh, me as a ninth grader, I was a pretty normal ninth grader, I would say, from the perspective of, you know, I, I cared about being with my friends, family, doing stuff with my family became okay, but a little less fun and exciting, right? Just kind of the normal ninth grade rhythm. And part of that, it, parents, especially if you've experienced this with teenagers, part of that comes in on the holidays, right? So it was Christmas time, ninth grade year, and I'm just not quite feeling as excited about the whole family Christmas thing as maybe I used to, right? I'm like, can we sleep in? Can we open the presents later? I don't even care that much because I'm a ninth grader and I just didn't care, right? <laughs> um, but that, it was a really interesting Christmas because we come down and in our family, the way it happened, the way we did Christmas is we would get woken up at midnight and that's when we would come down and there would be more presents under the tree, right, magically than there was before and all of that kind of deal. And so I come down and we get down to the Christmas tree and surprisingly, there's not more presents under the tree, which I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. And so we start doing our routine, opening presents, watching each other open presents. Oh, yay, all this kind of stuff. And we're kind of wrapping up. And I have a younger brother and sister who are four and six years younger than me. And everybody, you know, uh, was kind of like, okay, is that, is that really it? You know, have you ever been in that place, unfortunately, as a kid or as a parent? It's even worse when you're like, oh, no, right? <laughs> I thought I did good. Oh, uh, hold on. There's something in the garage. Um, remember that bike from last year? Um, you know, or something. And so you're kind of in that moment. And then all of a sudden, there's this loud noise outside. And my dad goes, I wonder what that is. Y'all should go check it out, Right? And my little sister jumps up first, runs to the door, opens the door, goes out, you know, all just cute and silly. She's like nine or something at that stage. Goes out and boom, guess who's there? Santa, right? With a bag of more presents. And so he comes in, which really goes against all the story that you are told all your life. But he comes in and hangs out. Um, I think for some reason, maybe the cookies were outside and that was the, no I don't know. Anyway, but uh, he, he comes in because we didn't have a chimney. So I guess that was the whole thing. So he comes in and he starts giving out presents and he gives out some presents to my brother, gives out some presents to my sister. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. Santa, yay, some more presents. And then he's just like, okay, Merry Christmas. Hope y'all have a good Christmas and starts walking out, right? And I'm like, thinking, I mean, I know I'm ninth grade. I mean, looking back, right, I'm in ninth grade and I'm a punk, but I wasn't that big of a punk, right? You know, he could have at least given me coal. That would have been something, right? But he goes out. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you have, if you've had teenagers before, but they get really difficult to shop for, right? It gets really hard. It's easier as they're younger and then it gets harder and harder. And honestly, that year, the only thing that I wanted, and I kept making a big deal about it, was a dog, was a Dalmatian. And the story behind this is that when I was in like first grade, we got a Dalmatian that was stolen out of our front yard when, and it was like, that was my dog, right? 
and it was stolen out of our front yard because there was some lost, like, pregnant Dalmatian. This was a boy. It wasn't even, right? I mean, a whole deal. But anyway, there was a lost, pregnant Dalmatian, and somebody had a big reward for it. And so, like, <laughs> I guess somebody just took ours, thinking maybe we can trick them. I don't know, but whatever. Um, and so all I'd wanted was another Dalmatian, right? So then I'm sitting there going, okay, well, oh, you know, whatever. And um, all of a sudden, Santa comes back in the door. Little puppy Dalmatian, right? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, even a ninth grader could get excited, right? I mean, it was so awesome. Hands me this dog, and it's all, you know, like the perfect little puppy. It's just licking you, and it still doesn't smell too bad yet, you know, like when they get older, (laughs) you know, all those kind of things. And it was just, it was so great. It was so epic, right? And I'm like, oh, the only thing that I had hoped for was for this Christmas was this dog. And, um, and I got it. And it was so fun, so good. It, you know, lifted me out of my kind of teenage little funk thing that I was in for a little while at least. And just was so fun. I mean, it's just an epic memory, right? So fun, so sweet. And we look for those things over and over and over again in life. And a lot of times when we think about those kind of things, when we say we're hoping for something, we really mean like maybe we're wishing for or we're optimistic that maybe we'll get something, right? Maybe we are praying about it, but it's something that we want to, a thing we want to get, right? When we jump in here to the Christmas story here for just a moment, I think there's something this evening and by the way, we do have a little wager going that from John and Dave and I, whoever says uh, morning more often, since we're used to Sunday morning services, then they have to drink a gallon of eggnog. So, you know, come back after the eight o'clock to see how that works out. No, just play. Uh, but I think there's something really important for us to find that where hope can really find a stability rather than just getting a thing sometimes, Right? Because the reality is those things we hope for, as soon as we get them, they satisfy for a little bit, but then we end up hoping for something else, don't we? It never stops. It's just the cycle. And we keep hoping for and hoping for and hoping for. But I think this evening, Jesus wants us to see that there's something we can actually have hope in that will sustain us, that will satisfy us that will fill us, that then those really beautiful things that we lovingly give or lovingly receive and we hope for are just like the frosting on the Christmas cookies, right? I mean, it it just makes them a little bit better. It's not the thing, but it's not the cookie, right? Um, And so if you'll read with me in Luke chapter two, we're gonna read a familiar Christmas story and the words should be up here on the screen. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him down in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. 
Now, this is the beautiful Christmas story, right, that we all know and love. This is, this is the story of this poor young couple that God blessed and provided us Jesus through, which is what we really celebrate all of this, right? There's so much cool stuff in there, and you can go back. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks, and you can go back and listen to all, some of those really neat details and things that happened of how God worked and wove together this whole beautiful story, right? But there's something about this that I think is really huge that's actually not necessarily found right here in this passage that we just read. Something that really takes this thing we call Christmas to a whole different place, to a whole different level of something that we can really live our life for. And so in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, again, it'll be up on the screen or you can uh, pull out a Bible app or something on your phone. We read this, that Paul, inspired by God, writes some uh, years, a few decades later, says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourselves. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interest, but about the interests of others as well. You should have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and sharing in human nature. He humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. And I think that's the beautiful thing that Christmas is really about, that in the middle of the craziness of it all, right? The middle of the chaos of, the, of it all, the middle of the getting it all ready, getting it all done, seeing them and seeing them and being all of those things, right? That sometimes we can miss that awe, that amazement of what this is really about. But here's the thing, the gift no one expected that Christmas was that Jesus went all in for you. He went all in for you. What that passage in Philippians says is that he stepped down from the comfort of heaven, having everything that, I mean, like, if any of us were there for a moment, we'd be like, oh, so good, right? I mean, we would never want to leave. But he left. He stepped down. He was born as an infant. And I don't know about you, but when we had our firstborn son, that changed my perspective about all of this. For some reason, when I had a son and I held him for the first time, I mean, I was just flooded with this like, oh, wow, this is what Jesus did. He became this. Because I had this little crying, beautiful thing in my arms that couldn't do anything for himself. 
If it wasn't for me or if it wasn't for his mom, he wouldn't have made it, right? And what we're talking about is the God sitting in heaven with everything stepped down and entered into the world like this little baby needing to be cared for, needing to be fed, needing to be changed, right? For you, for me, he went all in for you. He didn't have to do that, right? For him, from his perspective, where he sat, things were fine. But for us, things were not. And so he stepped in and took that place and lived a life without ever messing up like we do. I mean, we're all honest enough to know that we lived more than like five years, so we've messed up plenty of times, right? So we all, we've all messed up, but he steps in into that place, becomes this little infant that would grow up instead of sitting in comfort, instead of being attended in heaven, to instead be mocked, to be beaten, to be abused, and to be killed. Because he kept his promise and went all in for you. Sometimes it's hard to kind of picture this and how this all could happen and what it you know, looks like because it's so, I mean, I just can't fathom, right? There was a story that happened in this last decade that I think is a really interesting story. Nothing can compare quite the same to Jesus, but it's one that helps us maybe picture this a little bit. Uh, some of you may have heard of a guy named Pat Tillman. Um, he was an NFL player. He played for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he went to Arizona State, and uh, he was a safety for the Arizona Cardinals. He actually, um, the year he start, first started, he broke the Arizona Cardinals single-season tackles record. So, I mean, he was, a good, he was a solid player. I mean, he was a good athlete, good player, right, playing for the Cardinals. He was kind of that all-American guy. In fact, there's even a picture you can find online of him with a mullet. I totally recommend it. Uh, but anyway, uh, but just all-American athlete, came on up, um, seems to have been a really good guy, makes it to the NFL. And the summer after 9-11, as he has a three-year contract offer to continue his career, multi-million contract offer to continue his career in the NFL, what he decided to do, some of you may know, is go join the military, become an army ranger. Him and his brother joined the army, you know, went through the whole thing to become a ranger, which is, you know, I've heard pretty brutal <laughs> just from all the stuff you hear and read. Uh, went through that whole process because he felt like there was a darkness that he experienced with 9-11 that somebody had to do something about and it was his time to do something about it. And so he stepped in and he joined the military to go and fight for us, fight for our freedoms, fight for the reality that we could be sitting here in this room today. Beautiful. One of the many that we're so thankful for and even thankful for today, knowing that there are many that aren't with their families right now because they're serving us and, and protecting us. And um, a couple years after he joined, he was in Afghanistan and his unit um, was ambushed. And in the process of that that battle, he was killed, Pat Tillman. Um, incredible story. There's all kinds of interesting things ar around that that you could go and learn about. And, um, 
But it's a really good example, I think, for us, right, of somebody who, I mean, by many standards, I mean, I'm a huge Spurs fan. Yes, even this year, okay, get off it. But I'm a huge Spurs fan. If there's any chance that I could, like, just be the 12th guy, let alone set some record for them in a season, right? Just be the 12th guy with maybe a multi-million, right? I mean, just any of that, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'm doing this, right? No, I mean, I could go do that afterwards. That's fine. But let me finish this out because, I mean, oh man, that would be awesome. But he stepped, he put that aside. He became an army ranger. There's even somewhere that said at the time when, of his death, he was making like $1,600 a month um, as an army ranger, right? Stepping down from where he had been in the NFL. Man, who does that? You would hear that story on the news, watch it on the news, and you'd be like, man, moved because it's powerful. Who does something like that? Jesus does something like that. He does so much more than that, right? Right? He gives up every comfort that he has to step down, to live for you, and ultimately to die for you. And that's the kind of story that you can have hope in because that's actually the gift that Jesus gives you on Christmas. Jesus is awesome. He's the only person that I know of that gives you gifts on his birthday, right? (laughs) And he does it. And his gift for you is that there's something in life worth hoping in, worth putting your life into, worth giving yourself for, because he already gave you that gift. And you can have faith and hope in him. Living for him can change you in such a way and transform you, like that passage said, in such a way that you might live all the rest of your life living a life that he would desire you to, to give it away, to love well, to care well, right? All the things we want to do, but we get so trapped up. But it's hoping in him that can actually change you and transform you so that we're not having to live the cycle of hoping for something that might fill me up. But instead, I can be full, I can be satisfied, I can continue to move on in this life because of the gift that Jesus gave. And then, when I get those other things that I hope for too, oh man, it's just so much better, it's just so much sweeter. So I hope that this afternoon, as you just come and take a breath, enjoy some beautiful worship from our worship team, And come here today and go and take, please go take some pictures at that beautiful nativity that a family in our community made. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But I hope that before you go and you lovingly give and you lovingly receive gifts from each other, maybe some things that you've been hoping for, like a little Dalmatian, right? That you might experience and receive the gift that you can hope in all of your life, no matter where it goes, no matter how difficult it seems, no matter how great it seems at times, because the gift that Jesus gave on Christmas and the gift that he gave some 33 years after is something that you 
can build your life upon. It's something that can pierce the darkness in life, can pierce the challenges and the struggles that you see and flood it with light. And so this Christmas, I hope that whether you've experienced this and you've, you've trusted Jesus ever, or maybe you have, but it's time for that to be a little bit renewed, that you can walk into the, whatever you are walking into with your family with hope in something that will never fail you. Will you pray with me this evening? Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you. It's amazing to think that you would ever even consider, let alone do what you did in stepping out of heaven, becoming a baby for us, for the people in this room right now and all who have lived and will in human history. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your gift. And we just want to tell you that we receive it. Help us to continue to find hope in you each day on the good and the bad. When we feel alone, when we feel connected, when life is full of joy and life is full of sorrow. God, may we be able to walk through it and walk it out with you. We love you, Jesus. And I just ask for your blessing on each and every person and family that's here today. May you bless them this Christmas unlike they've experienced before with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.